1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, we're, we're back in a great chapter, a great chapter on the resurrection. And we, we saw last week, the first part that Pastor, Pastor Mike did last week was on the resurrection of Christ. And there's some great chapters in the Bible that are classic chapters on classic topics. There's, there's a great chapter on faith, Hebrews chapter 11, classic chapter on faith. Because it's the definition of faith, doesn't it? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11, 1. The, the, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Uh, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11 about faith, that faith, without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And then we're given a whole list in Hebrews 11 of classic examples of faith, men of faith, or it's called the hall of faith because of just all the great men of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Great classic chapter on faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Classic chapter on love. What chapter is that? 1 Corinthians 13. We just studied it just a couple chapters before this chapter, and it talks about love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. You know, now about faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love, and love believes all things, uh, hopes all things, and love endures all things. Love never fails. Great chapter on love, classic chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, classic chapter on resurrection. We're in it right now. Amazing. We saw last week the first part of this chapter on resurrection was all about the fact that the resurrection's a key component to our Christian faith. If we don't believe in the resurrection of all men, we should be pitied, Paul said. And our faith is worthless. We're still in our sins if we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The very gospel, the first part of this chapter, is described. The gospel of Jesus Christ is believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried on the third day. He what? Rose from the grave. Classic chapter on the resurrection. And it even talks about the reality of the resurrection, the evidence of the resurrection, that there was even 500 witnesses at one time that saw the resurrected Christ and they were still alive when Paul wrote these words. Evidence for the resurrection in this chapter. Now, we're turning the corner now in this rest of this chapter. We're going from the resurrection of Christ to the resurrection of us. Resurrection bodies. And we're going to answer the question this morning, what kind of bodies are we going to have in heaven? Do you know we're going to have resurrected bodies in heaven? We're going to answer two questions with that. We're going to answer the question, what kind of bodies are we going to have in heaven? heaven? And when are we going to get the bodies? And then we're going to look at, this is great scripture, then we're going to look at when is that going to happen? And the answer to that question we're going to see this morning is we're going to get our resurrected bodies at the rapture. At the rapture. And then we're going to see a classic text for the rapture, chapter 15, verses 50 to 58, describes in detail the rapture of Christ. This this text, 50 to 58, along with 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, are the two main texts within the Bible that point to the validity and the truth of the rapture of us, the church of Jesus Christ. It's a great scripture. Can you tell I'm excited? I love this scripture. I wish, when I I study scripture like this, I go, man, this will preach. Because there's such, such good truths in the scripture about our resurrected bodies and also the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. So you ready to study a church? 1 Corinthians 15, if you're not there, get there. And we'll see in detail now the resurrection of our bodies and then also 
the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. Chapter 15, verse 35, that's where we left off. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Hmm. You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you don't sow the body which is to be but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God is... God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each the seeds a body of its own. I like Paul. He shoots straight, doesn't he? He doesn't mince with words. He goes, you guys that are denying the resurrection of Christ or the resurrection of us, you're a fool. It kind of reminds me of that, remember Mr. T? I pity the fool. You're a fool. If you don't believe in the resurrection and the afterlife and eternity, you're a fool. Why? Because God set eternity in our hearts. You're denying the very essence of who we are, being eternal beings. All of us instinctively in our hearts, there's been eternity set in there, proving to us and showing us just instinctively there's more to life than just this life. There's a whole nother eternity past this physical existence of 70 to 80 years. And the first thing he's telling about, about our resurrection as bodies is this. How are the dead raised? He answers that question. He says, from nature, he says, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be able to bear grain, perhaps wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as you wish to each the seeds, a body of its own. Here's the analogy. The analogy is you put a seed in the ground and it germinates, dies. But then what happens? As it gets watered, as spring comes, it grows. And it comes, many times it becomes something beautiful. Think of tulip bulbs. How many people have seen a tulip bulb before? They're nasty looking. They're dirty. They're ugly. You throw a tulip bulb with all this dirt on and stuff on the table, you go, oh, what is that? Throw it in the ground, it dies, it germinates gets watered, next thing you know, it starts growing. And in the spring, you see this little green shoot start shooting up. And then the tulip comes. And it's beautiful. You see what, it, what he's saying there? That happens to us. We die. And I've done dozens and dozens of funerals. I've never seen something beautiful in a casket ever before. People try. They put the makeup on, put the suit on, everything. But it's still, oh, like this. Right? But if it's a believer, guess what? put in the ground, cremated, the last breath, first breath in heaven, beautiful, resurrected. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life. And whoever believes in me, even though he dies, shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. The glory. Let's go on with the resurrected body, get some more description of it. Verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. There you go. Heavenly body, earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, the glory of the earthy is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So here's what he's saying now. Saying, our earthly bodies will be at a different level than our heavenly bodies. And he says, just as there's different levels of glory with the moon and the sun, so there'll be different levels of glory in your earthly body versus your heavenly body. Now, I did some study on that this week. Moon. I studied this week that the moon is 1,080 miles in radius. 
It's only a quarter of the size of the earth, the moon is. And it's really just one big cold rock. The only reason why you see shining and you know, beautiful moon and stuff is because the sun is reflecting its glory off the moon back to us. Really, it's just a dark, cold rock. It's only a quarter of the size of the earth. But listen, the sun, the sun, check this out, is 860,000 miles in radius versus a moon of just 1,080. And listen to this, the sun burns 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. You think it's hot in South Carolina? 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. And it's just burning constantly at that. Wow, there's something flying there. Burning, the sun's burning 27 million degrees. There's a little bit different level of glory of the sun and the moon. There's gonna be a whole nother level of glory between your earthly bodies and your resurrected heavenly bodies. That's what Paul's getting to right here. The glory of our heavenly bodies is gonna shine so much brighter than the glory of our earthly bodies. And he describes it a little bit more now. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown a perishable body, but it's raised, verse 42, an imperishable body. It's sown in dishonor, our earthly bodies are, but it's raised in what? Glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in what? Power. See the contrast? It's sown a natural body, earthly body, but it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Okay, let's break this down now. This is describing when we get to heaven and we get our resurrected bodies, we're going to be sown in this earth just to perishable bodies. Our earthly human bodies are perishable. It's called the second law of thermodynamics. You know what that is? Everything, including our bodies, is in a state of disintegration. It's the opposite of evolution. Now, evolution says everything's getting better, not our bodies, not most things. You let most things just go on, they disintegrate and they get worse, including our bodies. And the older I get, the more I say amen to that. <laughs> the older I get, the more I realize how perishable my body is. Things just falling apart. That just I mean, I'm sore sometimes in places that I didn't know you could be sore in. I mean, just, oh, my, like, oh, my ache and back sometimes and stuff. I'm going, whoa, this body isn't what it was 30 years ago. And, and some of you are going, yeah, and some of you are younger and say, oh, you old guy. But really, our bodies are perishable. But listen, we get our resurrected bodies in heaven, imperishable. They're never going to disintegrate. They're never going to have joint issues. We won't have to have Advil ever again when we get to heaven. It's going to be amazing. Our perishable is going to go to imperishable in our resurrected bodies. And then also it says about our resurrected bodies, it's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in what? Glory. Again, Christ in us is the hope of glory. How are our bodies right now as human bodies dishonorable? Well, all men have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Our bodies are dishonorable right now because they're bent towards doing the wrong thing. Do you know that? We have this sinful nature. Paul talked about it in Romans chapter seven. He says, hey, the good I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. And we all struggle with that. That struggle with sin is because we have dishonorable bodies right now inherited from Adam, 
But when we get to heaven, we're going to go from dishonorable bodies to bodies of glory. What does that mean? First John chapter 3, verse 2 describes this process. When we see him as he is, then we too will be like what? Him. What does that mean? Sinful nature gone. I'm so looking forward to that. I hate this struggle with sin that all of us have. I hate doing dumb things. And don't look at me like that because you do dumb things too, right? We all have this dishonorable nature to do dumb, sinful things. We're sown in dishonor, that's our human bodies, but we're gonna be raised in glory. And when we see Christ as he is in heaven, we're gonna be perfectly conformed into his image. Romans 8, 29 says we're predestined for that to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're gonna be raised in glory. Struggle's gonna be gone. Praise the Lord. Sown in weakness, but our resurrected bodies are gonna be raised in power. I like power. We're weak right now. What does that mean? We have limitations right now. But when we get to the other side, our bodies are gonna be given supernatural powers we don't have right now. What's some of those supernatural powers? I think one of them is Jesus in his resurrected body. Remember, disciples are praying in the inner room. Doors are locked. What did Jesus do? Poof! He just transported himself right into the inner room with the doors being locked. And I think part of the power we're going to have when we get to heaven is we're going to have the power to transport ourselves anywhere we want to go because that's part of the heaven resurrected body. Now, I'm convinced cars are part of the curse. Every time I have a car problem, I say, oh, I'm looking forward to heaven. Or I just transform myself, poof, like this. New heaven, new earth we're going to have. And I'm going to say, anyone new heaven? Oh, transport body right now. Maui, let's go. Poof. No 10-hour plane flight. Poof. It's going to be awesome. We're raised in power. We're going to have some supernatural abilities of power in our resurrected bodies. It's going to be amazing. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. It's going to be awesome. Resurrected bodies and power. Sown, a natural body. Listen to this. Raised a spiritual body. What does that mean? It means right now, our bent as human beings isn't just uh, sin, but our bent is to focus on material, physical stuff. Did you know that? We have this natural body that's bent towards just to focus on the natural and and the things around us, things we could see. But it says when we get to heaven, our bent is going to be to focus on the spiritual and the eternal. You know what that tells me? It tells me if we want some more of heaven here on earth, what do we have to have our mindset on? The eternal and the spiritual, not just the physical, material stuff. If you want more of, of heaven here on earth, you need to be more heavenly minded. You know, some people quote this like a scripture or something. Oh, that person is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. That is a bogus line. Not true at all. Not true at all. I believe the more heavenly-minded you hear on earth you are, the more earthly good you are. Because you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and you got the right focus in life instead of just the material stuff that's passing away with the wind. And the more you focus on the eternal and the spiritual here on earth, the more you're going to make a difference for Christ here on earth because you're spiritually minded. And we're exhorted in Scripture to focus on the eternal and spiritual too. Listen to Colossians Colossians talks about this. Uh, Colossians chapter three, 
put it up on the screen. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. There it is right there. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Great stuff, great stuff. So we, we need to set our minds, what? On the things above. And the more we set our minds on the things above, the more we're gonna have a piece of heaven here on earth because we're eternal and we're spiritual in our mind and our focus. Second Corinthians also talks about this. And it says in Second Corinthians, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Here's the focus now. While we not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's why the Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. And again, the Bible says, don't just seek the stuff of this earth. No, store for yourself treasures in heaven where you're seeking for his kingdom and his righteousness so God can add all things onto you. And the wonderful thing about our resurrected bodies, when we get there, we won't be bent to just focus on the materialism stuff. We're going to be bent in heaven or just focusing on the eternal, spiritual, which ultimately provides meaning and purpose and satisfaction for our souls. And that's a part of our resurrected bodies. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And then it also says in verse 45, so it's also written, the first Adam became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. As is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we born the image of the earthy, we will also bear, look at, look at this, in our resurrected bodies, we'll bear the image of the heavenly. It gets back to the fact that the first Adam was who? It was Adam in the Garden of Eden. And when he fell in the Garden of Eden, he brought sin cascading into the human, human race. And we've inherited the sin nature from Adam. We've borne his image. But there's a second Adam. Who is the second Adam? Jesus. And it says the second Adam, through following him, and when we get to heaven, we're ultimately going to fully bear his image for the rest of eternity, the image of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I like that, because the more I study Jesus, the more I look at the Gospels and see how he lived and his character, his integrity, his love, his mercy, his goodness, his holiness, his truth, the more I want to be like him. And that's going to be ultimately fulfilled when I get to heaven. And again, Romans 8.29 says we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. A question, how do we facilitate that process here on earth? How do we become more and more like Christ? 2 Corinthians 3.18 answers that question. It says, as we behold his face, as we behold his face through prayer, through worship, through being a church, through being in his word, as we behold his face and build that personal relationship with him, he changes us from what? Glory to glory into his what? His image. You want more of Christ in your life? You want to be more like Christ? I do. It means I need to spend time just beholding his face in worship, in his word, in prayer, in his presence, 
There's power in his presence. There's power in his presence to make us more like him. And it happens just supernaturally as you spend time with him. It's wonderful. We bear his image. Okay, now, shift gears. Go from the resurrected body. Next section is the rapture. Let's look at it. Verse 50, now I say this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will change. We were thinking about putting this on the nursery door. Uh, They will not all sleep, but they will be changed. (laughs) I know, that's bad. (laughs) In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound... And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will put on the imperishable, this mortal will put on immortality. Then it will come about the same. that death is swallowed up in victory. Now he's talking about a mystery. Mystery. Greek where there's mysterion. It means something that was concealed before, but's now revealed. And this mystery is not the resurrection, because the resurrection was talked about in the Old Testament. Even Job, in chapter 19 of Job, says, hey, when I see my Redeemer, I know my Redeemer lives, and I will see him. Talking about in the resurrected state, Job will see his Redeemer. And there's scripture throughout the Old Testament talking about Sheol and afterlife and resurrection and everything, but the mystery that's being talked about now is the rapture. It's, it's not mentioned in the Old Testament that there's going to be this catching up in the clouds of those who believe. And it's described in detail here, and that's also in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. Just like it says a trumpet blowing here in this chapter, it says a trumpet will blow. And it says, for the Lord himself, chapter 4, verse 16, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. And here it is. With the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, same description as 1 Corinthians 15. It says a trumpet's going to blow. And a trumpet in that culture was to, was to tell the armies, time to get out. Let's go. And so the trumpet blows, and it says the dead in Christ will rise first. That's interesting. What's that talking about? It's saying those that die before the rapture, their bodies are going to go into a ground or be cremated or whatever, and then their spirits are going to go to be in heaven. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. Right now, if you die, absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. Right now, if you die, you're going to be absent from your body, you're going to be present with the Lord. But at the rapture, the dead in Christ, those that die before the rapture, their bodies will be resurrected to meet their soul that's already in heaven, and then that mortal body will become immortal, that perishable body will become imperishable, and they'll receive their resurrected bodies. Interesting. Another interesting thing here. It says, we shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep. The word sleep there is euphemism for death. What it's saying is not all Christians are going to physically die. Why? Because some Christians are going to be raptured at the end of the age, and they won't have to go through physical death. Hey, I vote for that. How about you? Wouldn't that be cool if it happened in our lifetime? Wouldn't have to go through physical death? But beam me up, Jesus. Bam, gone. I, I vote for the next 10, 15 years before I get really old. But we're not all going to sleep. Interesting here, too. Look at this. Paul believed, very likely, 
he was going to be raptured in his lifetime. He concludes himself in this group. He says, we will not all die. Paul thought that very likely he could be raptured. Why is that important? It gets back to a doctrine that's been in the church for centuries. That's an important doctrine. It's called the imminent return of Christ. It's the belief as believers that we should all believe good chance in our lifetime we'll be raptured. And that's an important doctrine. You know why? Because if you believe that, you're going to live different. It's going to be a blessed hope that's going to keep you going for Christ, living for Christ, and reaching other people for Christ, because there's a good chance in your life you'll be raptured. And Paul believed that. Why did Paul reach the entire Roman Empire with the gospel of Jesus Christ and went through beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks and never quit and never gave up? Because he thought that in his life, we could, I could be raptured in this life very soon. Let's get the job done. Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel, had that passion in him too. He did New Year's Eve services every year for decades. And every New Year's Eve service, he'd, he declared to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, hey, very good chance this might be the year. Let's be ready. Let's be ready for the return of Christ, the rapture of the church this year, because it could happen. And that caused one Calvary Chapel to become 1,200 Calvary Chapels around the country and another 1,000 around the world because of that, mm, the rapture could happen. Let's get something done for Jesus. Amen? And that's the rapture that we're talking about. And listen, I believe in the rapture. I'm pre-trib. I believe the rapture is going to happen before the judgment of God comes upon this world and the great tribulation. Why? Because that's the nature of God. And you see throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, when God brings judgment to the world, he gets his people out. Think about Noah, righteous man, his family. He got his family out of the worldwide judgment of the flood. How? By the ark. Think about righteous Lot. God was bringing judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. What did he do with Lot? He got Lot out. Now, his wife had a little bit of problems because she looked back, turned to a pillar of salt. But he got the whole family of Lot out because they were righteous. They were God's people. And I believe in the rapture, not only because of 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58, I believe it's a proof text for it, it shows the rapture right there. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, very clear, we're going to be caught up in the clouds at the trumpet, but also I believe in the rapture because of the nature of God. God, before he brings judgment, gets his people out. And some people might even be here this morning that are post-tribbers. You believe that we're going to go through the tribulation. And you know what? Listen. If, if, if we end up going through the great tribulation and I see the abomination of desolation, I see everything happening and stuff like that, I'll change my theology, okay? And I'll be wrong at that point. But listen, I'll change. If you're, if you're wrong about the rapture, you're going to be wrong for the rest of eternity. And I know I'm going to get some emails about this one. I, I know it. But listen, I believe the Bible's clear. We're going to be caught up in the clouds to be with the Lord in the air. And that's when we're going to receive our resurrected bodies. We're going to go from being mortal to immortal in our bodies. We're going to go from being perishable to imperishable. We're going to be going from having dishonorable bodies to bodies of glory. We're going to have, go from having bodies that are bent towards just material, physical stuff, bent towards spiritual and glorious things of heaven. And I, boy, what a hope. What a hope we have in Christ. Amen. And then it goes on, a great scripture here. It says this, O death, verse 55, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But here's a great verse. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Man, 
It's almost like Paul is taunting the devil there. You know, I don't know if you guys ever played basketball, the people who play basketball, you know what trash talking is? You get in another person's face and you just, yeah, I'm gonna beat you, man. He's trash talking. It's almost like Paul is trash talking the devil here. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? The sting of death, it's gone because of what Christ has done. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Devil, just go back to hell where you deserve to be. Sting of death is gone. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And who's taking the sting for us? It's Christ. That's why the sting of death is gone. He took the sting for us. I heard a great story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a great story. About a dad. It's in a park. His daughter. Loved his little daughter. His little, little girl. But she had a deathly allergic response to bees. And all of a sudden, this bee starts going around their heads. And the daughter freaked out. They was like, Dad, Dad, this bee can kill me. This dad, if it lands on me, it gets me to kill me. And the dad goes, Phew. grabbed the bee, held it in his hand. Held it there for a while. And then he let it go. And the bees started swinging, going around their heads again and stuff like, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? Why would you let it go? This bee can kill me. And the dad goes like this. Guess what was in his hand? Stinger. He says, sweetheart, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I took the sting for you. What has Jesus done for us? took the sting for us, the cross. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore. If we believe in Jesus, the sting of death is gone. But thanks be to God <laughs> who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I know there's some people here today that you have people that have preceded you and you miss them you can't stand the fact that they're not here anymore, and it's hard. I've lost both my parents in the last 15 years. It's hard. But I believe both my parents got right with God towards the end of their life and, and knew God. And that sting of death, it's gone for me, even in the death of my parents, because you know what? I'm going to see them again. And I'm going to walk some streets of glory and gold with them. The sting of death's gone. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what should be our response to our resurrected bodies in the rapture? My life verse. My life verse is the last verse of this chapter. Look what it says. Therefore, whenever you see therefore, what are you supposed to ask? What's a therefore? And what this is therefore, the verse here is therefore because of Jesus Christ taking the sting of death for our sins and giving us the hope of the resurrected body and the rapture. Therefore, because of that, what are we supposed to be? Look what it says. My beloved uh, brethren, therefore be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I love this. Knowing that your toil in the Lord. It's not in vain. Our response to God's grace and the future we have is with resurrected bodies and the rapture of the church should be, we should be servants of Christ that are steadfast. What does that mean? You don't quit. Doesn't matter what life throws at you. You're gonna keep serving the Lord. You're gonna see, keep living for Jesus no matter what curveballs you get because of what Jesus has done for you. 
Be steadfast, immovable. You're not moved. You're going forward. You're pursuing the upward call of God that God has for your life. Be steadfast, immovable. Look at this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. What does that mean? You want to serve God because he's served you so well on that cross. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that you're toil in the Lord. It's not in vain. You know what that means? Heaven's watching. And we're not saved by what we do here on earth, but we're rewarded in heaven for our labor here on earth for Christ. And that's why Jesus said, don't store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. Store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. Keep serving the Lord because you'll be rewarded on the other side for that. Amen? Hey, another thing too, if you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you've received Christ, you don't know if you have this hope of eternal life. You don't know that you're gonna have an immortal, imperishable body because you've never truly opened your heart to Christ. Why, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time to get right with God. So I encourage you, if you need to do that this morning, do it during our prayer time. I'll give you an opportunity uh, to receive Christ just by praying a simple prayer called the sinner's prayer. Open your heart to Jesus, man. If you haven't done that, do that. You know, the Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same camp. We bear Adam's image. We've all made mistakes. But the good news is God demonstrates his own love for us while we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. But we need to do something. The Bible says, Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and then believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we're going to be saved. If you haven't done that yet, I'll give you an opportunity to do that during this prayer time. Don't put it off. It's the best decision I ever made when I received Christ. Over, over about 40 years ago, I made this decision to confess him as Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And you need to do that too. If you haven't done that yet, do that this morning. And Christ will come in your heart. He'll forgive your sin. And he'll give you a whole new life in Jesus. He'll give you this hope. Hope is a good thing. And we have it through our confession of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your, your grace. Thank you that your grace covers everything we've ever done if we've believed in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just thank you, first of all, for this promise that we have of resurrected bodies, Lord. Thank you so much, Father, that we have this promise of, of our future being a place where we're going to have resurrected, immortal, imperishable bodies. Bodies that are sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. Bodies that are natural now, but supernatural later, and spiritual and eternal, Lord. Bodies that might be disintegrating now, but are going to be in a place of power and imperishable, immortal for the rest of eternity. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the hope of the rapture too, Lord. That Christ in us is that hope of glory, of seeing him one day, being caught up in the clouds and seeing him and being with him forever. Thank you too that the promise we have as believers is one day we're gonna bear the image of Christ, image of Christ for the rest of eternity perfectly and wholly conformed to his image. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, I, I just pray for anybody that might be here this morning that doesn't know you personally, hasn't really opened their heart fully to you and never really truly received you as Savior and Lord. 
And Father, I, I feel that you might be knocking on some doors of some hearts this morning saying, hey, let me in. Let me in to be your Savior, to be your Lord. If you're here this morning and you want to open your heart to Christ in this way, to receive Christ, I want you to just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me to receive Christ? And I'll lead you in a prayer. If you're here this morning and you want to do that, just raise your hand right now, and I'd love to pray for you this morning. This will be an opportunity to just receive, open your heart to Christ right here in the third row. Praise the Lord. Keep your hand up. Anybody else this morning that wants to receive Christ, just raise your hand right now, and I'd love to pray for you this morning. I'd love for you to begin this relationship with Christ where you one day, praise the Lord, right back here in the middle. Keep your hand up, ma'am. Great decision. Anybody else here this morning? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Just raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray in just one second a sinner's prayer that will help you open your heart to the love of God. Anybody else this morning? Just raise your hand right now. Praise the Lord right here in the back in the middle. Anybody else? All right, let's do this. If you have your hands raised, I want you to be bold. Christ died publicly for you. I want you to be bold. I want you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you real quick. Go ahead and stand up. Don't be ashamed to stand up for Christ. All right, pray this prayer right now and pray a prayer out loud. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I trust you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I confess you as my Lord and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you, church. Live with that hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord this day and the days to come. May the Lord bless you. Let's worship.